What's up, ladies and gents? Welcome into another episode of the Fantasy Football Pod. Coming at you with our Week 11 review, uh, taping just after the Monday night game ended between the Cardinals and the 49ers. Bit of a mixed bag this week from a football perspective. A lot of really ugly games, a few uh, pretty interesting ones, but I think overall a little disappointing from the football side of things. Just a lot of low-scoring, gross games to watch, and then a few... Uh, you know, a few more high-scoring ones, but most of them were kind of blowouts from, uh, you know, just a general perspective. So what was your take on uh, Week 11, Cody? Um, it, it had its ups and downs for sure. Uh, Fantasy-wise, ended up going 3-2. and two. Um, Pretty much out in one league, so that kind of sucks. But I uh, went 0 for 3 on my uh, three best bets I recommended this weekend. So that's a real uh, kick in the groin area for sure. So... Uh, not not too good on that front, but you know, from the fantasy aspect, it definitely could be worse. But the football was uh, definitely some some dud games out there. Some that were not shown on red zone very often. Yeah, you know, I can I can live with having a dud fantasy week or you know a dud in the the best bets category. Obviously, you're not going to win them all, but uh, I just like you know watching quality football. I didn't feel like there was a ton of that uh, on this Sunday, but. Uh, a lot of injuries as well, another disappointing aspect of this week. So uh, sure. without further ado, I'm going to get to a few of them that we have some updates on, uh, and then we'll get to more on our uh, you know next podcast for the Week 12 preview. But uh, here is the stuff that we have for you. Uh, to start, Melvin Gordon waved by the Broncos today. One too many fumbles for him. Another one on the one-yard line. You'd love to see it. Uh, so it's pretty much going to be Latavius Murray moving forward. Uh, I think Chase Edmonds also left the game with an injury. Not sure how bad his uh, injury is at this point, but looks like uh, Latavius Murray worth an add in your league if uh, if he's out there. Jameson Williams returns from the PUP list. Uh, he practiced today. I think you're probably going to need to wait a week or two to see him on the field, but good news for Jameson Williams. He'll probably return at some point this year. Wandale Robinson, New York Giants wide receiver, Torres ACL. Um, would not have been as big of a deal fantasy-wise before this week, but he was really lighting it up on Sunday. 13 targets, over 100 yards, and he scored, but really disappointing for him. Hopefully he can get healthy and come back next year. Justin Fields, uh, considered day-to-day right now with a left shoulder injury. It's reportedly a dislocation, so we're just going to need to get an update on his status moving into next week. Uh, that could be, you know, one of those things where the Bears just choose to sit, sit him out for a couple weeks, knowing that this season is pretty much lost for them. Kyle Pitts, Atlanta tight end in the same game. He uh, went on IR with a knee injury, uh, believed to be a torn MCL at this point, if not at least a sprained MCL. But he'll be out for the next four weeks. His his season is very likely over. You can drop him in any redraft uh, fantasy situation. Mike Williams of the Chargers re-aggravated his high ankle sprain, not believed to be incredibly serious, but one to uh, one to monitor. I would expect him to maybe miss one game and then uh, hopefully come back fully healthy this time. CEH in the same game also received a high ankle sprain. This one, a new injury though, and it'll probably keep him out for a couple weeks, so that backfield situation gets a little less murky. Uh, Going to be a lot of the Jarek McKinnon and Isaiah Pacheco. Kadarius Tony in that same game as well, left with a hamstring injury. I know, big shocker. Uh, we'll see. Again, haven't really seen much in the way of an update on Tony. We're probably going to just have to wait till Wednesday's practice report. And then Joe Mixon of the Cincinnati Bengals, left with a concussion, allowed Samaje P. Ryan to have a huge day in his stead. So if P. Ryan's out there, he's probably the priority add. Uh, it's going to be a short-term situation, though, with him, obviously, uh, hopefully 
Mixon only misses a game or two with a concussion, but uh, you'd expect him to miss at least one. So P. Ryan will be a must-start running back uh, in Joe Mixon's absence. Any uh, of those injury uh, slash news items that you want to react to before we get into the uh, the games here? Cody? Uh, no, we have a pretty big slate of games today, so we can go ahead and jump right in. I just It is kind of a you know funny, Canarius Tony leaves with a hamstring injury after putting up a nice fat zero in fantasy football for you. So, uh, wish you wish you could say that you didn't see it coming, but kind of happens right. quite a bit with him. <laughs> yeah, uh, oh man, uh, he has some real tight hamstrings, I guess. He's, he's had a problem with that basically since he stepped on the NFL field, so... Hopefully one day he can uh, stay healthy for an extended period of time. But, yeah, that's been the story of his career to this point. Uh, Rondell Moore also on Monday night left with a groin injury. We have, obviously, zero update on his status. But just keep that in mind if uh, you aren't able to listen to the rest of this pod. And, uh, you know, you have Rondell Moore on your team. That's why he has a negative .6 in the, uh, the column this week. He left really early. Tennessee at Green Bay was our first matchup that was on Thursday night. Uh, 27-17, Tennessee won this one. I wish this would have made it our, its way onto our best bets column because we were both uh, on this one from the beginning, and Tennessee really kind of dominated this throughout. Uh, there's only one guy on Tennessee that I really want to have a conversation about, and that's Traylon Burks. Seven catches, 111 yards on eight targets. He may have finally arrived on the scene here hopefully he can stay healthy and hopefully you stashed him uh cody would you consider him a top 30 ish wide receiver rest of season or do you need to see another game from him to to buy in um personally i mean you would love to see another game i think that would definitely like fully cement him there but personally i think that he could be a top 30 wide receiver for sure um this team needs a receiving option they can't just rely on derrick henry the entire season so um definitely a need that he can fill and i think with ryan Tannehill being back being healthy um just a more consistent uh pass thrower in that offense it's you know, Burks definitely should be fantasy relevant. And then, you know, Woods in a pinch is someone that you could throw in there if you absolutely have to, uh, as long as Tannehill's playing. So I think Tannehill being back also really kind of gives all these pass catchers at least a, a really big boost. Yeah, it is only a one-game sample. That is the uh, the worry here. But at the same time, like you said, we've been kind of harping on this uh, the last few weeks and really all year with the Titans. They've just really needed a number one on the outside. Burks has the potential to be that, so they have every reason in the world to involve him, and the fact that uh, the first time they gave him, you know, a significant target share, he came through for them, just, you know, gives me more confidence that they will continue to do so. So I like Burks quite a bit rest of season. I would probably call him uh, right on the fringe of a top 30 wide receiver moving forward with, with room to go pretty far north of that if uh, he continues to improve. Uh, Derrick Henry had a great game, uh, threw a touchdown, had a pretty inefficient rushing uh, line. I think ended up with 3.1 yards per carry, but he got in the end zone twice and had a decent game through the air. So he's very good. On the Green Bay side, uh, my stat of the game, Green Bay was held in 96 yards of total offense in the first half. That's the fewest yards in a first half in a first half home game since Matt LaFleur became the coach. I think that's actually pretty impressive. 96 yards is it's not great, but it's not horrible either. Um, Christian Watson was the, the biggest positive on the, the side of the Packers. He had two touchdowns, four for six, uh, for 48 yards. Another good fantasy day. I was a little disappointed in the target share and, uh, the 
I, I think about 20 of those yards came on the last drive when they were down two scores with no timeouts left. So I uh, I don't know how sticky this is going to be, but five touchdowns in two games is always going to keep you on the radar. So hopefully he continues to get more involved. How do you feel about Watson moving forward? Would you, re- would you rather have him or Traylon Burks for the rest of the season? Um, I... <laughs> I think I'd probably rather have Traylon Burks just because he's the the for sure guy too. there. Uh, I mean, Robert Woods will probably get a little bit of work, and then their you know their mosh posh of tight ends will get some as well. But um, as someone who has Christian Watson in plenty of leagues, he's definitely helped me get a few wins in the past couple weeks. I probably shouldn't have, but um, yeah, I mean he's going to be a boom bust wide receiver three slash flex option. I don't think he's a bad player to have on your team, but definitely not a guy you want to be depending on rest of season. Alan Lazard but, or Christian Watson the rest of the season? I would go Christian Watson. They're just He's the guy they look for in the red zone right now. So I, for, he has that connection with Rodgers so far through the past two games, so I'm just going to ride with that. But um, I do think Lazard will probably be a little bit more consistent week to week. Yeah, I think it's just about what you need. Like you said, you kind of hit it there at the end. I was going to make that point, but Lazard, 11 targets in this one, didn't have a great day, had a, had a couple drops and had a couple passes that Aaron Rodgers just missed him on. Uh, still ended up with five for fifty-seven, yeah. Though uh, to your point, I, you know this is a bad game for Lazard, and he still, you know, doesn't kill you from a fantasy perspective. I think that's kind of what you can expect going forward, but does not have the ceiling of Christian Watson. Yeah, Rogers missed him on on a couple of crossers. He probably would have gotten he 10, 15, 20 yards on both of those if if Rogers hits him in the hands. So he was he was very very close to a pretty good game. Yeah, you can't argue with Alan Lazard. He's been pretty consistent this year, and 11 targets kind of speaks for itself. I think he'll continue to lead the team in targets consistently. Watson more of the, uh, like you said, red zone slash deep shot guy. Uh, Aaron Jones, tough day for him. Uh, 40 yards on the ground, 6 for 7 through the air for 20 more yards. Uh, But we told you this was a tough matchup going in, and this is just kind of how Aaron Jones rolls. He's usually either uh, very good or not so good for you for fantasy, so I don't really have any uh, opinion change on him necessarily. Anything else on Green Bay, Tennessee? Nope, I think you nailed it there with Aaron Jones. Cleveland at Buffalo. Uh, well, really at Detroit. Uh, but 31-23, to Buffalo wins this one in uh, Ford Field. Uh, on the Cleveland side, uh, Nick Chubb had a tough game in this one. Uh, 14 for 19 yards on the ground. Did catch three passes for 48 yards. Kind of saved your day there a little bit from a complete dud, but... The Bills clearly focused on stopping the run in this one, and they kind of let Amari Cooper run uh, run loose there. A lot of single coverage, and he took advantage. Eight for one, thirteen and two. Another boom game for him. Seems like he is just you know settled in as a extremely boom bust wide receiver, but his booms are you know weak winning to a degree. So he's going to be in your lineup pretty consistently moving forward. I think the the Browns kind of what they are at this point. Obviously, you know that's going to change quite a bit when Watson comes back, and then we're just going to have to readjust on all these guys, but. I think Kareem Hunt's the only guy that I have really, you know, I don't even know if it was an opinion change necessarily as much as it was just solidifying what we thought coming into this week. Only seven touches in this one was actually pretty efficient, but I think he is nothing more than a high-end handcuff slash desperation flex at this point. Yeah, you you can't be relying on someone who's getting seven touches um, at the running back position at, at any kind of, you know, RB1 or RB2 level. So I agree there. And pretty crazy to think about Deshaun Watson will be playing football in uh, two weeks. So, or within two weeks, he would have finished his first game. So pretty crazy to think about. He'll be back pretty soon. Yeah, I know. It's going to be interesting to see. First game at Houston. I cannot believe the NFL let that happen. That's just, I just can't imagine that that is a coincidence. But 
Um, yep. The only other guy I think of relevance in this game, David Njoku, uh, only two for 17. He, he was, uh, you know, basically a game-time decision. I'm not going to hold this one against him, especially with how bad the tight end landscape is. I think he'll be better moving forward once he's fully healthy. Um, I agree. On, on the Buffalo side, Tyler Bass, he finished with 26 fantasy points in this one. That just actually cracks the top 10 of all-time performances by a kicker in fantasy. And he was the number two kicker on the week. So there was two top ten all-time performances by kickers this week. Uh, so at least uh, the kickers were balling out for you. Not, not A lot of the stars weren't, but uh, Tyler Bass came through for you if you had him in your lineup. Who was uh, the number one? Brett Maher, actually. I think he put oh. up the second best kicking performance in fantasy of all time. Just .5 points behind uh, Jay Feely. I heard that on a podcast I heard earlier today. So pretty yep. interesting stuff there. Um do we have any concern for Josh Allen? Uh, he, you know, had an uh, okay day from a football perspective in this one, but the running game really took over. Uh, they went very run heavy with their script. I believe it was 33 runs to 27 throws. Very atypical for the Bills. Um, I, I don't think, you know, you're obviously starting him moving forward, but I just wonder if they try to take a little bit of the load off him and, you know, make this more of a, a trend rather than just a one-game sample. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, they definitely should take the load off him for sure. Um I think that he's been probably carrying too much of the load for the Bills offense, and I think that he kind of needs a little bit of a step back here. So I don't mind it necessarily. I think that, um, you know, kind of what we talked about during last week's, you know, uh, review, uh, recap. Basically, if you are going to take a work, take some of the workload off of one player to ensure they're going to be healthy the rest of the season, you would definitely take that. I think Josh Allen falls into that, you know, same category. If he was going to be, you know, getting hit three or four times a game like he was, and he was going to get banged up right before the fantasy playoffs, you'd be concerned. Uh, but I think as long as he's out there, I'm not concerned about Josh Allen at all. If the Josh Allen owner is is at all concerned about him, I think he's a trade for candidate for sure. Um, he's a guy that you want to have, for in my opinion. Yeah, that's fair enough. I, I love his playoff slate. Uh, he plays Miami, then at Chicago and at Cincy. So that probably you know mitigates any concern that you'd have if the Bills you know, do go to a little bit more of a run-heavy offense. Uh, he's just gonna have gonna have to score a lot of points in the fantasy playoffs against those three teams, unless Justin Fields isn't healthy in the Chicago one. But uh, still, a lot of weak defenses, a lot of a lot of points in those games. I'm not really concerned for him for him long term either. I uh, just thought it was interesting the way the Bills uh, you know approach this game. They will also be competing for the one seed for basically the rest of the season. So I don't yeah. think you have to worry about them, you know, sitting Josh Allen or anything like that at any point. Oh, yeah. No, yeah, they're they're going to be pushing hard for that one seed, too. It obviously mattered quite a bit, uh, you know, at the end of last year. So uh, the running backs, as we just mentioned, benefited from this run-heavy game script. Singletary had another solid game. Whenever he gets the opportunity, he looks good. Uh, that's never really been the issue. Uh, it's just been about... You know, him getting phased out of the game plan, so maybe he'll be a little bit more consistent going forward. I think I need a little bit more of a sample to really buy in, but uh, I've never had a problem with Devin Singletary, the football player. He is uh, he's good. 86 and a touchdown on the ground, 2 for 2 through the air for another 11 yards, so good game for him. And the, uh, the rookie, James Cook, had a good day as well, 11 for 86. Uh, I don't think we're considering him for our lineups just yet. Probably a guy you want to stash in case he, you know, ends up, getting a larger role this wasn't just like a, a garbage time thing they were really trying to work him in so i think he's definitely worth a stash but uh again we're probably holding off on recommending starting him just yet would you rather stop uh stash james cook or any rams running back oh james cook that's that's not that close to be honest that, that is yep. just an absolute mess there 
Yep, absolutely. I'm I'm right there with you. He looks good too. It's similar to Singletary, just good back. So if they ever give him ten to fifteen touches a game, he might be worth a play. Yeah. Philly at Indy is our next game. Another one of the sluggish games on the slate here. Philadelphia comes back and wins uh, right at the end of the game, 17-16. to 16. On the Philadelphia side, we'll start with our stat of the game, and this is kind of one that we talked about leading into it. A.J. Brown and Devontae Smith each saw north of 25% of the targets for the second time this season. The first time was week three against Washington when Dallas Goddard left early with injuries, so... Uh, we kind of got our answer as far as where this offense would go with their targets. They just condensed them through the top two guys. Both of them kind of had underwhelming days, but I think it leads to good things for them in the future. Uh, just a tough game for the offense against a solid defense on the road. I'm not really worried about this unit. The only guy I want to have a conversation about is Miles Sanders. Uh, I Again, it's going to be tough to sit him. Our running back landscape is horrible as it usually is at this point in the year with all the injuries and just uh you know the bad teams that we have in the nfl right now but uh you know 47 yards on the ground only one catch it's just it's going to be tough for him to be consistent uh only catching the ball one or once or twice a game i think we might be considering fading him in tougher matchups what do you think uh yeah i i i agree with you i mean it is going to be hard to sit him because he is in rb1 so you would expect him to be able to get enough work, enough volume to make up for it, um, but he didn't necessarily this week. So, um, again, a guy that's going to be tough to sit, but in a situation where you know you know it's going to be kind of a low-scoring, close game, he definitely can get phased out of this offense. So, um, it could definitely be a really good call if you do sit him if they have a really tough matchup. But like I said, it's really tough to do that. You know, you you expect the volume to really kind of make up for, you know. The, any kind of game script. Singletary or, or Sanders rest of season? Um, I think I, I think I go with, for me. yeah, I think I'd probably go Singletary only because I know Philadelphia has to play the Cowboys, the Giants, uh, a couple of those really good run defenses. So I might I'll probably lean Singletary there, but I could probably get persuaded back to Sanders pretty easily. Very yeah, close. that one. That one is they they profile very similarly to me. They can both be phased out. They're both on really good offenses. They're both going to see about you know fifteen touches a game. So I think you can pick your poison there. But I think I might go Singletary just based on where this Bills offense is heading right now. Uh, anything else to add on the Philly guys? I think it's basically you know start Jalen Hurts moving forward. He'll be just fine. And then you can pretty pretty confident starting AJ Brown and Devontae Smith. Like I said, they're probably going to see uh, you know a lot of targets each week now that Goddard's gone. Yeah, I agree with you there. On the Indianapolis side, uh, Paris Campbell and Michael Pittman did basically nothing to help uh, unmuddy these waters from the wide receiver room. Both of them pretty much split work right down the middle and were splitting production right down the middle as well. Paris Campbell, 5 for 67 on six targets. Pittman, 6 for 75 on seven targets. So I... You know, I said I don't really view these guys very differently coming in. I had Pittman slightly higher, and that is almost exactly what happened here. He had one more catch and eight more yards. So I think they're both wide receiver threes rest of season. Pittman maybe a higher-end wide receiver three. Campbell more of the middle type. But, uh, yeah, they're pretty similar options. It seems like they're both going to be targeted relatively uh, similarly here in this offense. What Do you uh, do you have any takes on these indie guys that uh, are vastly different than that? Yeah, I mean, I think it's a good call on your part. You definitely kind of said that. I was more on the on the trend that Michael Pittman was still probably, you know, more of a higher-end player than Campbell. But 
Uh, it's probably just going to be hard for any of these pass-catching options to really be elite with Matt Ryan as their quarterback. So I think they're probably both wide receiver threes. I can still see Pittman being a back-end wide receiver two some weeks, depending on buys. Uh, we do have another week with six buys coming up here soon. So yeah, there's sure. going to be weeks where he's definitely going to have his value. But, again, he's just one of these guys that I'm probably going to say multiple times this week. Just not not a guy you want to be relying on going into the fantasy playoffs. So if you are getting locked into your fantasy playoff, you know, you're you're looking good. I, and you have Pittman, I would probably try and unload him before the trade deadline. Yeah, we're looking at a tough slate coming up here too. You got first Pittsburgh at home. Their defense improved. Didn't didn't look that didn't look that way against Cincinnati uh, on Sunday. We'll get to that game later, but I still think that's a pretty good de- pretty good defense. And then at Dallas, and then a bye. So going to be tough sledding yep. for these guys the next few weeks. Like you said, if you can capitalize on any sort of value for them, I might go ahead and do it. For uh, sure. Jets at Patriots. Uh, this one can be really quick. 10-3. to three. New England wins it, and seven of those points were scored in the last 10 seconds on a punt return. So that gives you an idea of how this game went on Sunday. Stat of the game, there was a lot of horrible offensive stats I had to choose from. This was my favorite one. The Jets had <laughs> negative 21 passing yards in the second half. Somehow, that is only the fourth fewest by any team in the second half since 2000. I don't, I can't understand. So negative passing yards, uh, they lost sack yardage is included in that. So that's not just Wilson throwing balls behind the line of scrimmage, but still could not believe there was three teams that had worse numbers than that, even uh, in that large of a sample size. They were really bad on Sunday. Zach Wilson is horrible. Um, nine completions. Uh, I have I have another one that I just I really like this one quite a bit as well. Nine completions for Zach Wilson. Ten punts. Uh, <laughs> that is not the sort of ratio that you can live with on offense. And they still almost won this game pretty incredibly. Um, I don't really have much to say here, honestly. I'm not completely bailing bailing on Garrett Wilson or Michael Carter just yet, especially because they might change their quarterback heading into uh, Week 12. He. Uh, Robert Sala did not commit to Zach Wilson starting that game. So if that happens, I think those guys see a bump up. And again, Patriots have just had the Jets number for a long time now. I think once we see them against uh, some weaker teams, namely maybe uh, Chicago next week, uh, they'll have a little bit uh, easier sledding there. So are you more concerned about these guys than I am? Um, I mean, Garrett Wilson, Michael Carter, not necessarily. If there's a quarterback change, they would definitely get a bump up in my mind. Uh, Zach Wilson's just terrible. He was asked point blank, do you, you know, take responsibility or do oh. you feel guilty for basically giving letting your defense gave up three points and you guys lost. Do you basically take blame for that? And he just said no. So very, very bad look for him. I do think Bears. that he will probably get benched. If it's not against the Bears, it'll be at some point. Um, the Jets actually have a chance to compete for a playoff spot. If you're Robert Sala Coming off the first two years of your head coaching career, why? How do you not try and go for it? And you, you're not going to get it with Zach Wilson. So, whether it's Joe Flacco or I believe Mike, is it Mike, Mike Davis? White. Mike White. Thank you. Um, yeah, well, either one of those two guys at this point just is better than Zach Wilson. He is terrible. So, um, Gary Wilson, Michael Carter, the only two guys that I care to roster or pass this week. Uh, neither of them are must-hold, so if you're in a shallow lineup, you definitely can look to drop them. But the um, ancillary pieces, you can definitely go ahead and get rid of. Uh, like James Robinson, you can drop for sure. Um, Elijah Moore, you can drop. I do think Elijah Moore becomes interesting if they switch to quarterback because um, he is just not he is not Zach Wilson's favorite target, to say the least. 
Yeah, uh, I, I just, I'm kind of throwing this game out. You know, like, like we said, they, there was no offensive production across the board. So uh, these options are on a lower level offense. So you just kind of have to realize that, uh, know their worth. But uh, I, I think there'll be better days ahead once they have some easier matchups. Um, yeah. And then the Patriots side, they got bailed out by that punt return touchdown. They only had three points up until that point. So the Pats offense was better than the Jets, but that is a very low bar to clear. They were not great either. Um, I don't really have a ton to add on the Patriots offense. I think the only thing that was somewhat interesting was the running back situation. Damian Harris looked better on his touches, uh, but I'm not really moving the needle at all. Stevenson was still the main guy, had 15 carries to Harris's eight, and then had six targets to Harris's two. That's really the important one there. So as long as Stevenson keeps getting this much passing work, I am not concerned whatsoever. I think the only thing that could maybe change my mind a little bit is if Harris gets the goal line work, but there was no goal line work to be had in this one, so I'm not sure how that would go. Um, but, yeah, I mean, hard hard for Stevenson to fall off of being at least an RB2 if he's getting six targets a game. That's just a very safe floor. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, 21 opportunities from your running back, too. You know, most likely in your lineup you'll, you'll be happy with any week. So you um, didn't have the best efficiency this week, but that's all right. No one really did. Um, but like you said, Damian Harris did actually look good with the opportunities he had. So I do expect him to get kind of worked back in. Probably rush attempts are going to be relatively even. And then, again, hopefully Stevenson ma- maintains his passing game work because if he does that, then he'll be just a little bit more valuable. But um, I don't think there's going to be too wide of a gap between these two guys here and in the next couple of weeks. He's just been really good receiving out of the backfield as well, so it wouldn't make any yep. sense for them to make that transition. Uh, so, yeah, I think he'll hold on to that role and definitely be the guy you want moving forward because of it. Uh, all right, well, that is enough of that game. Let's move on to a much more exciting affair. That's Carolina at Baltimore. This one, 13-3, so, uh, you know, three more points than our, our last bit here, but uh, Baltimore takes it at home, 13-3, to as I said. Uh, on the Carolina side, this is going to be short and sweet. I have some breaking news. Baker Mayfield, not good at NFL football. Uh, he is just not, you know, I, on the road at Baltimore, we kind of told you this is going to be a rough game, and it was even rougher than we thought. Pretty much everyone dudded. Uh, Terrace Marshall was the only one to, you know, even resemble a decent fantasy output, but no one was starting him anyway, so... Uh, this is just one of those things with Carolina that you're going to have to realize what you have in these guys. They have this dud potential. This is two out of the last four weeks that they have you know, completely fallen off the cliff. So they're very boom bust, and uh, you're probably going to be very, very matchup dependent with these guys. Yeah, absolutely. And then on the Baltimore side, uh, my stat of the game, Baltimore has a takeaway in 13 straight games. That is the longest active streak in the NFL. Uh, Lamar Jackson, I want to have a little bit of a conversation about. I think he he was one of my biggest fantasy losers this Sunday, not because he completely dudded from a fantasy perspective. Uh, 200 yards through the air, an interception, had 30 yards and a touchdown on the ground, but he has just struggled severely without Rashad Bateman on the field, um, and Andrews being banged up has not helped either. He really needs to get him healthy. And the the bigger issue here, I really think, is that the defense has turned into an elite unit where it was it was bad at the beginning of the year. It wasn't even average. So the the combination of losing Bateman and not having a decent replacement as a number one option, uh, along with the defense, you know, allowing this offense to kind of take a more conservative approach has really limited Jackson's value. Uh, I have a bonus stat here that really kind of illustrates what I'm talking about here. Lamar had three, four, and five touchdowns respectively in weeks one to one through three, 
and he has scored more than one touchdown in one game since then. That is a total of seven games, and he only had two in that one that he scored more than one. So it's been tough sledding for Lamar, and I think the defense is kind of the biggest reason. Yeah, it's been tough sledding. Do you think um, if you have Lamar Jackson, you're in a good spot? Are you looking to trade him uh, for another quarterback one type of player, or are you just are you thinking that he's going to be able to turn it around at some point? I think it'd be really tough right now. You'd probably be trading him at, you know, 70 cents on the dollar. I mean, if you can turn Lamar Jackson and a flex piece into Tua or something like that, I might try to do it. But uh, the the problem is, is that this quarterback position is not nearly as deep as it has been in years past. Yeah, uh, that's probably, true. you know, six or seven guys you're confident in right now, if that. So uh, it's just going to be tough. I think you kind of got to ride it out. I mean, I still like the player so they're going to be games where he's going to need to score a little bit more than he has the past few so i I still believe that you know there's better days ahead but he's definitely concerning me and again this this elite defense is really this it's the main culprit i feel like just because it it has really taken the pressure off of him having to play hero ball they can play a lot more conservatively which is sort of the way john harbour wants to do things yeah absolutely i agree with that i think um I don't know. I think he's going to be a little bit tough to trust going into the fantasy playoffs. I mean, if he does not get his, you know, does not get this offense kind of moving, then, you know, duds, duds stink. And he was definitely someone you paid up for in the draft season as well. So I don't know. May try and see if, may try and see what's out there if I have Lamar Jackson. See if I can do, you know, get some, get someone a little bit more consistent. Any interest in his de facto number one wide receiver right now? That's Demarcus Robinson. He was the lone bright spot on the offense today, nine for nine uh, for 128 yards. Uh, I personally think it's probably worth a deep league ad because uh, he's probably yeah. going to be the number one wide receiver moving forward. I'm just not really sure that matters. He's still going to be a distant two to Andrews, uh, you know, rest of season. Yeah, deep PPR, half point PPR. I don't mind it. Uh, he, you know, desperation flex probably at this point now. Maybe he can get a little bit of a bump up if he kind of backs up um, with another, you know, good week. But you know, Devin Duvernay is not going to be that guy there, so you don't have to worry about rostering him. If you are, you know, I would, I would rather have Demarcus Robinson for sure. So um, he's definitely someone that's going to be out there in a lot of leagues. And if you're someone who needs a, you know, another, just an extra wide receiver on the roster or if you're rostering some of these guys that were telling you that you can go ahead and drop, I think he's one one to add because he's someone that could, you know, break out at least for PPR and have a solid end of season. Uh, would you rather have Demarcus Robinson or Garrett Wilson rest of season? Um, I think I'm still going Garrett Wilson there. I just like the player a lot more. Demarcus Robinson's kind of a little bit more desperation for me. I figured. I just kind of wanted to see where we were at with Wilson. So, yeah, Robinson, a uh, pretty lower-end option, but we'll have his weeks. Uh, we'll see if this target share can maybe hold for a couple weeks in a row. That would make give me a little more confidence. I do have another one for you. Would you rather have Garrett Wilson or Alan Lazard rest of season? Oh, don't make me answer that. Um, I, I probably... <laughs> Is this because you offered me Garrett Wilson <laughs> or Alan Lazard last week? Is this why, Cody? Absolutely. Um, I, I I think so in our situation in the keeper league I'm, I'm gonna go Garrett Wilson just because he might for be sure. on my team next year and he is a high draft capital uh, wide receiver but honestly if you're if you're asking me who's gonna score more points rest of season uh, just this year I'd probably take Alan Lazard. 
Yeah, I, I think I agree with you there. I was wondering if I could get you to say Alan Lazard without explaining that trade first. Because you'd be like, <laughs> why would you not accept the trade then? <laughs> oh, I but saw no. right through you there, yeah. Uh, but yeah, I, I, the rest of the season, I'll probably take Lazard. But yeah, Wilson just a little bit more upside. And again, our keeper league kind of changes things. For sure. Uh, Washington at Houston, our next game, another real sluggish one, uh, a high-scoring affair compared to the last couple we've talked about, 23-10. to 10. The Commanders take this one pretty easily on the road. Uh, I, I think on the Washington side, the big story is that this defense is rounding into a pretty elite unit, especially the defensive line, really shut down uh, Houston's run game. We talked about how it might be tough sledding for Damian Pierce. I did not expect it to be that tough of sledding. My God, we'll get into his stats when we go to the Houston side, but... Uh, the, again, the offense just really had to do very little in this one. Uh, the, the defense just completely dominated the, the Texans' offense. So down game from Terry, uh, four for seven for 55 yards. But I'm excited now uh, that it seems like Heineke will be the starter moving forward. I mean, if he has a couple bad weeks in a row, they might pivot back to Wentz. But he will remain the starter at least for now. That's good news for Terry McLaurin. And then uh, I think Antonio Gibson is the guy you want in the backfield. He had 18 for 72 on the ground, as well as three for three uh, through the air for 31 yards. That target uh, target share is the reason that I would take Gibson over uh, Robinson moving forward. Uh, do you have any you know takes on the Washington pieces here, other than uh, you know what you thought coming in? No, I I'm right there with you. I was very pro Gibson going into this week, so I'm glad to see him get the opportunity as well as the target share. So. Um, I'm definitely pro Gibson moving forward as well, especially if you're in any kind of uh, PPR format. He's definitely the guy you want there. Um, if McKissick does come back at any point in the season, that could throw a wrench into that. But for right now, Gibson is uh, an every week starter in half and full PPR and a non for sure as well. Yeah, and then I think Robinson really only worth a look in non-PPR and deep non-PPR leagues at that. You're just going to have to wait for the right matchup. Honestly, this should have been the right matchup, and he... He did okay, I believe. He ended it with about 60 yards, but just going to have a pretty low floor because he doesn't catch any passes. Yep. Um, on the Houston side, as I mentioned, they got dominated uh, on the offensive side of the ball. So my stat of the game, the Texans had five yards of total offense in the first half. That is the lowest total of any team this year. Uh, that, you know, again, kind of speaks for itself. Uh, this offense just has an ex ex extremely low floor and that is going to you know hold these guys back even the uh the upper tier options like Damian Pierce 10 carries for eight yards on Sunday two for three through the air for another nine yards just a complete dud really his first one of the year his upside is just going to be capped by this uh you know this offense being so bad and having the potential to just completely have the bottom fall out off uh you know off the off the fucking wagon here it was it was just a really disappointing effort especially from Damian Pierce I had him in a few leagues and I really needed him he did not come through for me so uh do you have anything to add on the Texans I think uh they're they're pretty self-explanatory at this point yeah they are self-explanatory uh Damian Pierce has been a great player but again just one of these guys it's going to be tough to trust uh every single week I do think that um you know only 10 rushing attempts I know you're down and you know you can't just run the ball a bunch when you're down but I would still like to see him be getting the ball in his hands closer to 20 times a game. You know, try and find a way to work him into the passing game. Get him get him the ball in space a little bit. I think he's probably your best athlete on your offense. And to only give him 13 opportunities in a game that you were, you know, down 14 or 17 within the first quarter or something like that. Like, I don't know. I think that he deserves to get a lot more workload than he got this week. So, I know it can be a little bit tough sometimes to scheme those passing plays for the running back, but... 
I would expect him to be to be getting a lot, uh, not a lot more work, but you know, under twenty opportunities a week. And anytime that happens for Damian Pierce, I'd be pretty surprised. I'd expect him to be in twenty plus. Brandon Cooks and Nico Collins were okay in this one, considering how bad the offense was. I think you have to be, you know, somewhat satisfied with their effort, but you're not excited to start any one of them or anywhere near it uh, moving forward. They're just kind of back end wide receiver three slash flex options. Yeah, Chicago, I, I agree. Oh, sorry. Chicago at Atlanta is our next game. Atlanta takes it 27-24 at home. Uh, a slightly disappointing effort from the Chicago side in this one. Their offense just missed a few opportunities. Uh, there was one deep ball in particular in the first half that uh, Darnell Mooney would have had a walk-in 70-yard touchdown. Fields missed him by about two yards. It was very close, but... A sluggish second half as well kind of did them in, and part probably because Fields was banged up, uh, dealing with an apparent dislocated shoulder for some uh, for part of that game. Good on him for gritting it out, but uh, he still produced well enough for fantasy at 85 and a score on the ground as well as 150 and another score through the air. So uh, we're just gonna have to keep an eye on his per on his uh, his injury, but could affect him moving forward, especially his rushing upside. Uh, the rest of the options, you know, especially in the passing game, this low volume offense is just always going to have the potential to dud. Uh, again, you're going to just really be hoping they cash in on the limited opportunities they get. Uh, David Montgomery, probably the only guy that you know had a solid day on this offense, had see, saw his value go up. He's going to get a lot of volume. He's going to be a good RB two moving forward in my mind, especially because Chicago just really wants to establish it. Fields' health will obviously uh, matter there, but. Do you have anything that you want to add on Chicago as far as uh, their value moving forward? No, I do think David Montgomery, um, his value is a little bit scary for me right now because it should have gone up, but if Fields is out, I don't think this offense is going to be moving very well, and I think the yeah, defense true. is going to be able to focus on Montgomery. So even though you know he may get more opportunity, it may be at a you know net negative because the defense can focus on him. So We'll see how that plays out. Um, you know, I was hoping Montgomery would be someone you could probably trade for now that Herbert is out, but I'm a little bit concerned with the whole Justin Fields situation. And if Fields has to just drop back and be a passer, you know, defenses aren't going to respect that nearly as much as they are when he's running around, you know, like crazy. So I think that, you know, Montgomery definitely has a, you know, definitely in a good spot right now, but I'm just a little bit concerned with, you know, that Fields injury. Yeah, that could change a lot. You're going to need to keep an eye on that uh, if you have anybody on the Chicago offense. Uh, on the Atlanta side, my stat of the game, pretty easy one here. Cordero Patterson broke the NFL record for kickoff return touchdowns in this one with his ninth. Good for him. Uh, kind of saved his fantasy day in the process. I had a, I had a friend of mine playing uh, in a league that plays defenses. We had He played against Cordero Patterson, and for some reason, uh, the same guy was starting the Atlanta defense. So the dreaded double touchdown. You don't really see that one very often, uh, so shout out to my boy Brandon, but that was some bad luck there. I don't know if I've seen that uh, in recent memory, but Cordell Patterson continues to take a larger share of this backfield each week. I think he's going to split with Algier moving forward, at least to some degree, but at least Caleb Huntley got pretty much phased out in this one, so it's going to be these two, and Atlanta's going to want to establish it most weeks, so... Uh, I think I'm okay with Patterson as a back-end RB2, maybe more of a flex option moving forward. Do you uh, have any difference of opinion there on the Atlanta guys, at least the backfield? Nope, I agree with that. Um, Algier is definitely just someone you're stashing at this point, not anyone that you know you have to roster. So 
Um, if you're someone who's holding Algier and maybe your RB1's backup is out on the waiver wire, I'm probably going to go out there and go get that guy this week and just lock up that roster spot for the rest of the season. Yeah, 100%. He's a high-end handcuff, playable in really deep leagues, but that's about it for Algier at this point. Yep. Uh, great matchup for the pass catchers, and all of them pretty much dudded. Uh, with Kyle Pitts going down to injury, being out the rest of the year, maybe you can keep stashing Drake London in the hopes that he gets heavily featured, but this uh, this low-volume pass offense is just going to be really hard to trust. So I think it's pretty much Cordero Patterson and Bust for the Atlanta offense. Yeah, I agree with you there for sure. Uh, let's go ahead and jump over to the Rams at New Orleans. New Orleans ended up coming away with this one 27-20. Uh, I think that we, you know, in my rough week, I also said I liked the Rams plus three. So I was just so way I. off, way off this week. But, um, yeah, the Rams are just toast. Uh, Cam Akers gets the most of the work out of the backfield because why not? Uh, none of these running backs are must-holds for me. Um, you can't start any of them on any given week. You don't know who's going to get the touches. Um, so, again, similar to what I said about the Algier, if you are rostering any of these guys and your RB1's backup is out on waivers, go get that guy now. Go get you know geared up for the playoffs. Don't just you know hold on to one of these Rams guys hoping they break out. Uh, if you're in a super deep league, you know, you're, you can't go get a backup and you want to hold on to Kyron Williams and hope that's fine, but he's the only one I'd even consider doing that for. Um, and then on the pass catching options, if Stafford goes down, I think every other player is avoidable on this team as well. Um, no one really showed me anything too crazy this week out of the pass catching options. So at this point, even Higby at the tight end position, I think he's just, you know, uh, probably a lower end streamer. And the you know receiving options, I really don't want anything to do with. Yeah, I failed to mention this in the injury section, but Stafford left this game with a concussion. Yep. Pretty disappointing. He was actually playing pretty well uh, for the first time in a while before he left. Uh, might have changed my mind on some of these receiving options, especially maybe in Allen Robinson. He scored a touchdown before Robinson or before uh, Stafford left the game. But yeah, if it's Stafford out for a while, he he's being evaluated for concussion. He came into the week with concussion issues as well. So I, I'd imagine they hold him out. And again, this season's pretty much lost for them. So no reason to rush him back. Uh, there's not one player on this offense I feel comfortable starting moving forward. We need more clarity, and there's probably not going to be enough time to get that. So yeah, I, I don't think any of them are must rosters at this point. For sure. On the same side, uh, Kamara underperformed. You know, it was a good day for the team, so you hate to see that. But, um, you know, just want to check, temperature check on Alvin Kamara. Is this a guy that you're looking to move before the trade deadline in your fantasy league, or are you holding him for that soft playoff schedule coming up? Um, I don't think you can trade him right now. You're going to have to probably sell him at a discount, and that's, that's just not something I love to do, especially, like you said, with a better schedule coming up. Um it's going to be rough the next couple of weeks, though. He goes to he goes at San Francisco, at Tampa Bay, and then a bye. So, unless you're comfortably in a playoff spot, you know, if if that's not the case, you might want to sell him to you know one of the teams that's eight and three or uh, you know nine and two, so that you can get a guy that'll help you a little bit more in the next couple of weeks. Uh, but you know, tough to say. I would like to sell him just because you probably have to sell him at a discount. So, uh, I think we'll have better days ahead. For sure. And then the passing game, uh, Olave delivers five uh, five receptions on six targets, 102 yards, one touchdown. And then Jawan Johnson, tight end seven on the year, and Taysom Hill both had solid days for tight end. Uh, Taysom had a one for three through the air for 14 yards, nine rushes, 52 yards, and then one catch for eight yards. So 
Uh, did absolutely everything in this game. And then Juwan Johnson, 3 for 4, 47 yards and a touchdown. Nick called it. Um, great play by him. And again, tight end 7 on the year. Uh, is Juwan Johnson someone you'd consider as a someone you can look to start each week? Or are you only looking in specific matchups still for him? Uh, I mean, I think you're going to have some down games moving forward. Uh, obviously, the volume is not quite there, but five touchdowns in five weeks kind of speaks for itself. I mean, he's involved in the red zone right now. I think he's uh, on the higher end of those touchdown or bust tight ends guys we talk about, similar to uh, a Cole Komet, especially if Justin Fields is banged up, maybe even slightly better than him if, uh, if again, Fields sits. So I think Juwan's definitely in the streaming conversation, probably towards the higher end of it. So good on him for, uh, you know, having this – decent run here in the last few weeks especially he's uh he's gotten himself involved and he's a part of the offense yeah absolutely and did you have anything on olave uh this is just why that's this is why you play these guys i mean they're gonna have uh, white wide receivers are inconsistent they're gonna have you know down weeks maybe even three or four in a row sometimes but uh he's very good he caught a long touchdown on a beautiful throw by andy dalton give him some credit but you know, he just got behind the defense because he's an elite-level athlete, and he made it happen. So you got to just keep Chris Olave in your lineup. Yeah, Saints W also means Andy Dalton's probably the starter next week as well. So you can expect him but... rolling forward. But let's go ahead and go to Detroit at New York. Uh, Detroit ended up pulling this one out, 31-18. to Absolutely terrible beat by me taking Giants minus three. What an absolute sucker. Uh, let's go ahead and start here on the Lions side. Swift makes the most out of his limited work while uh, Jamal Williams is still the running back one there. Swift with five rushing attempts, 20 yards, got a touchdown. Three for three through the air for 12 yards, but he still has the same, you know, he's a boomer bust flex option if you have the stones to put him out there. You know, there could be a week where the workload goes back his way, but, you know, you're probably looking at about 10 opportunities a game right now until we see otherwise. And then Jamal Williams, 17 rush attempts, 64 yards, three touchdowns. Uh, basically get it inside the five, and he's going to find a way to get it in the end zone this this year for him. So um, I'd say his fantasy value is pretty high right now. But long term, I don't know if he's going to be one of those guys that you want to rely on. Um, you would think at some point that they would move at least back to Swift a little bit more. But I would expect Williams to get the goal line carries. So if Swift's getting them there, there's a chance that he gets touchdowns vultured for basically the rest of the year. And then Justin Jackson actually got nine rushing attempts in this game. So he actually had more rushing opportunities than DeAndre Swift did. Uh, Nick, what do you make out of this uh, Detroit backfield? Yeah, I mean, I think it's Jamal Williams, and then you're not really even looking at the other guys. Again, like you said, Swift may be a desperation flex, but what is the difference between DeAndre Swift and Kareem Hunt right now? I mean, they're basically yeah, the same sure. guy in their offense. Uh, they're getting, you know, eight to ten touches a week if they're lucky. And Swift has been a full participant in practice heading into these weeks, so I, I just have no confidence that it's going to get any better. doesn't make a ton of sense for them to not work him in, but... At the same time, this Lions team probably not heading for playoff contention this year, so maybe they're just you know being smart about Swift and bringing him along as slowly as possible, knowing that uh, they don't want to you know run him into the ground this year. Jamal Williams maybe less uh, a part of their future plans, so I think he's definitely the guy you want. He leads the NFL in touchdowns from the running back position, so hard to even consider taking him out of your lineup. He's probably a high end RB two moving forward. Yeah, for sure. And then uh, in the passing game, it's basically Amon Ross, St. Brown, and everyone else. Uh, St. Brown went 7 for 8 for 76 yards, zero touchdowns, but basically the game script went away from them as soon as, the, ton- the as soon as they went up. Yeah. 
So, hate to see it for him, but uh, he's he's a high-end guy, definitely someone you're going to want on your roster moving forward. And then Jamison Williams is set to return to practice this week. I do believe he actually practiced on Monday, so uh, yep. maybe a running mate for St. Brown and uh, may actually challenge for some kind of serious target share. So we'll see what happens if he gets worked back in. But for right now, it's St. Brown. And then, you know, Williams, now that he looks like he should play this year, uh, definitely someone you can you can hold with a little bit more confidence than I had in him uh, a couple weeks ago. I could definitely be wrong about this. I, I don't know if I see Jamison Williams taking a ton of what St. Brown does away. Uh, they, they have a lot of design, kind of short slip screens for Brown or St. Brown. Yep. Um, and I think Jamison Williams might just open up some more things for this offense. So I'm not incredibly concerned with him coming back, especially being a rookie and just you know working his way back in from that ACL. So this year, I don't, th- I don't really have any concern with Jamison Williams coming back as far as St. Brown's value is concerned. Yeah, I, I I didn't mean for that to take away from St. Brown. I just meant he might be someone in this offense that actually gets enough target share to be uh, fantasy relevant. So sure. St. Brown's yeah. going to be pretty, going to be really good for the rest of the season, and then maybe Williams can get enough to be uh, somewhat fantasy relevant by the time the playoffs roll around. But yeah, if moving, you're a, yeah, if you're a solid team like blocked into the playoffs, go ahead and staff, stash Jamison Williams in case he uh, you know lights the league on fire in the last couple weeks. Yeah, he was the probably the best wide receiver in college football last year before that injury in the national championship game. So, on the Giants side here, uh, Danny Dimes QB three before Monday Night Football. Uh, I'm not sure if Jimmy G passed him, but uh, he is absolute trash. But he helped my team <laughs> this week, so appreciate you. He will be on the waiver wire if anybody wants to go out there and grab him. So um, he ended up with uh, 27 to 44, 341, uh, one touchdown, two interception, and then 50 yards on the ground and a touchdown as well. So uh, basically you made it work for a week and against a really bad defense. But unfortunately, Saquon did not do the same. Uh, 15 opportunities, only 22 yards on the ground, two for five for 13 yards through the air. Absolute bust game against what should have been a soft matchup. Any concern for Saquon moving forward, or is he probably still you know top three, top five running back rest of the season? I think he has to be considering the volume. The only concern I do have is his next four games are really rough right now, shaping for up sure. to be uh, a tough slate here. He goes, it's all NFC East, and it's at Dallas versus Washington, uh, who we just talked about being a lot better, especially on the D-line. Versus Philly, and then at Washington the next four weeks. So going to be a tough sledding for Saquon, but he can always hit the home run, and he gets too much work. He's got to be in your lineup. Yeah, I agree with you for sure. On the uh, receiving options here, Wandale had a boom game before tearing his ACL. Uh, he did go 9 for 13 for 100 yards through the air. So if you did start him this week, he probably helped you on your way to a win. But Slayton is a guy, if he is still out there on waivers, I think he is, you know, if you're wide receiver needy, I think he's somewhat another option out there for you. Um, you know, probably similar to a Demarcus Robinson. Not sure how much target, you know, how many targets he's going to get on a week-to-week basis, more of a desperation play. Um, with that being the line, would you rather have Demarcus Robinson or Darius Slayton rest of season? Yeah, I like that comp quite a bit, actually. I think they profile relatively similarly. I have actually kind of always liked Darius Slayton as a player. Never really understood why the Giants were, you know, so eager to, you know, replace him with, you know, the Kenny Galladay's and the Kadarius Tonys and the Wandale Robinsons. But 
seems like he's always had a bit of a connection with Daniel Jones, and he'll be super necessary moving forward. Uh, that tough schedule kind of applies to him as well, unfortunately, but uh, he should see a ton of targets. Uh, there's really no one else left, so I uh, I think he's at least worth a roster spot and maybe a weekly flex. Yeah, absolutely. I, I agree with you there. I think they the are way, very similar. Oh, go ahead. I didn't answer your question, but I would take Darius Slayton uh, by a hair over, over Robinson. Yeah, I think I agree with you. I think he is, week to week, he should get more targets than Robinson's going to be guaranteed in that offense. So uh, I'm right there with you. Um, I'm moving on here. Dallas at Minnesota. Dallas absolutely dominated this game, uh, winning this one of 40 to 3. Um, Dak was solid, but game script really took away a huge game from him. Ended up going 22 for 25 for 276 and two touchdowns. Also got 16 yards on the ground. So, um, decent day for him. You know, if you're streaming Dak Prescott, uh, the running backs absolutely dominated Zeke, 15 rushing opportunities, 42 yards, two touchdowns came right back in and got that valuable work that we had talked about. And then Pollard, 15 rushing opportunities, 80 yards, no touchdowns on the ground, but six for six for 109 yards, two touchdowns through the air. Absolutely saved my bacon in one of my fantasy leagues, so much appreciated, Tony. Um, but moving forward, Nick, uh, I mean, are these are both of these guys, you know, RB2 options moving forward, or do you think Pollard kind of takes a step back? Yeah, you took the words out of my mouth there. I was just about to say, I think both of these guys are pretty much RB2s. Uh, Zeke's going to get the goal line work, uh, but Pollard's going to get the receiving work. So they kind of split the valuable work in that regard. Yep. And, uh, you know, I think they'll be pretty even as far as touches go moving forward. Zeke probably, you know, working more in as he gets healthier. I'll be interested to see the split this Thursday. I think Pollard, even though he's really high right now as far as his value goes, he might be even worth, uh, you know, a DFS play uh, if there's a, a Thanksgiving slate just because I could see them laying off Zeke four days after, you know, coming back from that knee injury. But moving forward, both RB2s, uh, this offense is just really good, and they both have uh, their own share of the valuable work be it in different areas speaking of uh dfs justin where was our sunday night football dfs game that we were <laughs> supposed to play yeah i didn't hear from you uh <laughs> i'm sorry about that i wasn't too prepared <laughs> no that's all good um but we should line one up for thursday if there is one for all the thursday yeah that'd games. be fun a little thanksgiving day game yeah yeah, yeah i'll figure that out and we'll uh we'll all get that right, rolling cool, cool. Maybe by, by the Wednesday podcast while they're awesome. ready. Sounds good. Maybe we can make that a segment. We could pick who we could yeah, we could yeah. throw out who who we're playing in those games when we're going through the Thursday night games. Absolutely, I'm all cool. about it. Let, let's let's plan on that. But uh, these pass catching options here for Dallas mostly disappointed. Mostly just due to game script, they did not have to throw the football very much. CD five for five for forty five. Schultz three for five twenty two. Gallup three for four forty one. Nothing really changes too much in my mind on these pass catchers. Now we can move on. Cool. Vikings, overall terrible game. Uh, doesn't really affect my opinion on these guys here too much at all. Kirk Thuggins got destroyed all game long. Uh, 12 for 23, 105 yards, zero touchdowns. Um, again, 105 total passing yards, so obviously no receiving options. Did just about anything. Uh, Hawkinson maybe saved you in a full-point PPR league. 5 for 9 for 34 at the tight end positions. Not terrible, so... Uh, he's a week-to-week starter for sure. Justin Jefferson, dud game, but again, only 105 yards to go around. And then Thielen is that you know touchdown or bust wide receiver three slash flex option. So nothing changed there. And then Dalvin Cook, you know, underperforms, but the offensive movement was basically none for most of the game. So uh, again, nothing really changes too much here, for my opinion. Anything really moved too much for you, Nick? 
No, not really. Uh, I, I do want to apologize for my Kirk Cousins uh, endorsement. I, I thought that this game uh, would be, you know, at least a high-scoring affair on one side, and I thought that might lead to a little better game script for the Vikings, but they just got beat so handily that the, all the starters were out of this game by the end of the third quarter, so they didn't really have any opportunity to take advantage of that garbage time. Uh, I didn't get to a stat of the game for every game this week. I was slacking a little bit, but I do have one for this Vikings, and uh, it's actually it is just a Vikings stat. It's it's pretty amazing. They are eight and two this year. They have a negative two point differential. They are the first <laughs> NFL team in history to be eight and two or better with a negative point differential. Thought that was pretty funny. Yeah, that's pretty bad. Uh, obviously, their two losses just absolute blowouts, and probably all of their wins came down to almost exactly. one score yep. games. So. <laughs> That's pretty. That's pretty incredible. Maybe maybe those uh, Super Bowl futures for the Vikings aren't looking as good as some people were thinking uh, when when they were eight one. So absolutely, still a chance. You never know. But let's go ahead and move on to Cincinnati at Pittsburgh. Uh, Cincinnati took this one 37-30, uh, snapped Tomlin's perfect uh, underdog in division at home streak that I had mentioned on the best pets pod. Best that's a good pets stat, pod. Don't yeah, beat you know. yourself up. Yeah. When I looked at the review of that game, I immediately thought of that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I just you knew that you all. just completely butchered that. Yeah, that sucks. But, oh, well. Um, yeah, again, over three this week on the best bets. Sorry, guys, we'll do better next week. Um, but let's start with the Bengals here. Uh, Burrow was the QB1 before Monday Night Football. I don't think Jimmy G had enough yards to pass him up, so I think he'll finish the week there. So good for him. Really good week with four passing touchdowns, 355 yards. Uh, Mixon left with a concussion, like Nick pointed out in the beginning of the show. P. Ryan is probably the most important ad of the week, especially if you are uh, running back needy. But it is most likely going to be a one to two week solution. Uh, Mixon will come back and will just take back his work share here. So, um, and then just to hit the receivers real quick, it was basically T. Higgins and everybody else. He went nine for thirteen for 148 yards. No touchdowns. Uh, Boyd and Hurst both only had two receptions. Uh, Boyd ended up getting 42 yards. Almost had a complete zero. Really got those last 42 yards at the end of the game. So uh, anything on the Bengals move up or down for you? Obviously, if Chase comes back, I think Boyd probably gets moved to a boom-bust flex option at best, right? Yeah, basically, uh, I was going to say, if Higgins comes back, obviously you're, you're downgrading Boyd and Hurst pretty considerably. Hurst probably on the lower end of the streaming category, maybe not For even sure. there, uh, considering this this type of game with no chase and a big burrow game. Uh, seems like the recipe for Hurst to do well uh, with a good steal, with a good Steelers pass rush. We kind of thought that Hurst would be more involved. He wasn't. Uh, yeah, I think it's going to be Higgins. Uh, it's going to be you know, Higgins, Chase, and Mixon or P Ryan moving forward as as well as Burrow in your lineup. For sure. And then on the Steelers' side here, Najee Harris finally produces a good game. 20 rushing opportunities, 90 yards, two touchdowns, four for six through the air for 26 yards. So if you were someone holding on to Najee or someone who bought uh, you know, bought the dip on Najee Harris, congrats. Um, at this moment right here for the rest of the season, Nick, are you looking to buy, sell, or hold Najee Harris? I think I'm holding, um, especially because obviously coming off this big week, you're probably going to have to pay a decent amount for him. The only reason I might be leaning towards the buy side of this, uh, you know, if I was, I would probably say I'm a hold leaning buy just because Jalen Warren got hurt in this game. Don't know the severity of his injury, but if Najee Harris regains that receiving work, that is going to be quite the boon to his fantasy value. So uh, I think that could be the one X factor here. Other than that, 
you know, I'm not going to take this two-game sample size as, uh, you know, gospel. I think he's going to be a little bit more in the middle of what he was, you know, at the beginning of the year and what he's been the past two weeks. So I think uh, Harris is a solid RB2 moving forward. Awesome. That's exactly what I was going to ask. So moving on to the pass catching options here, uh, Pickens and Fryermuth have good days. So I'll just run through those guys real quick. Pickens, four for six, 83 yards and a touchdown. Fryermuth, eight for 12. So definitely getting most of the targets here, 79 yards, but did not get in the end zone. Really the only guy that I think my opinion changes a decent amount on is Deontay Johnson, four for five for 26 yards. Really, Nick, the only question I think a lot of people are going to have, is he too good of a player to drop, or do you think you could drop him if there's someone out there that you need to pick up? Ten-team leagues, I uh, I don't mind dropping him if you have you know an option that you like better on the wire, uh, but I think 12 or more team leagues, you can wait for a good week. Well, I guess you're not going to be able to trade him after this, but maybe just a little bit too much target share to completely get rid of. Uh, but again, we don't completely blame you. It's been a really rough go this year. And the targets seem to finally start be, you know, he's, they're looking other ways because it just hasn't been working coming to Deontay Johnson. So if you got to drop him, I don't blame you. But in 12-plus team leagues, I think he's probably a little too involved in the offense to, to cut bait on. Gotcha. Yeah, sounds good. All right, let's go ahead and move over to the uh, most exciting Do game we of the weekend. To. Las Vegas at Denver. Uh, Las Vegas ends up taking this one 22-16. Uh, the Raiders, uh, Carr had a solid day despite the Broncos' defense. I don't think anybody who had Derek Carr would have had the uh, stones to play him this week, but he ended up with 307 and two touchdowns, so good for him. Josh Jacobs was the only player with a rushing attempt in this game for the Raiders, so he is their locked and loaded RB1, no question about it. 24 opportunities, 109 yards, 3 for 4 through the air for 51 and then basically Devontae Adams and everybody else. Uh, he was 7 for 13, 141 yards, two touchdowns. Uh, Hollins is you know a desperation PPR option, 6 for 9 for 52. And Moreau is you know a TD or bust type a tight end player. I don't think too much really changed for me on these guys. It's really, you know, J.S. Jacobs, Devontae Adams are the two guys I want to play. You know, Carr's streamable if it's a good matchup. And then, you know, Hollins can be played in as a desperation PPR option. Yeah, basically Jacobs, Adams, like you said, and then Carr as a streamer. I will say that if you're maybe a Justin Fields owner or someone with a struggling quarterback that you're trying to replace, Derek Carr the next two weeks at Seattle and versus the Chargers. So could be a good option mm, good for the call. next couple weeks. This whole uh, Raiders offense might be you know, something you want to invest in in the next few weeks. Should be some high-scoring affairs with some bad defenses. Yep, absolutely. And then the Bronco, oh my God, why did I ever draft or trade for these garbage can of players? Um, first, we'll start here with Russell Wilson, basically just the uh, uh, the you know the pilot of this crashing plane. Uh, he absolutely shit the bed yet again. Twenty four well for thirty one, two hundred forty seven yards, one rushing attempt for eight yards. Um, yeah, he's just really bad at football all of a sudden. He just looks like anytime there's any kind of pressure in the pocket, he looks like he has no ability to move whatsoever. He does the weird like step back, step back, step back, and then just gets hit. So I don't even know. It's hard for me to even like have any kind of faith on any of these guys. I think Murray, now that Gordon is gone, he can be fantasy relevant, but he's still, you know, seventeen rushing opportunities, forty nine yards and a touchdown, four for four for twenty three through the air i mean back end rb2 material at best so um it's nice at least there's going to be a fantasy you know a starter there that you can put into your lineup but 
not going to have a lot of confidence in this offense. And then Sutton survives and Dolchich disappoints. Five for seven, 80 yards, zero touchdown for Sutton. And then four for five for 30 yards for Dolchich. I don't think overall my opinion changes too much on those guys. Um, I was pretty low on Sutton after you know his past few weeks. I guess maybe I'd come up a little bit, but you know, if Judy's back next week, then I'm going to be scared to play Sutton. So, And it's kind of the same thing with Dulcich as well. I'm not overly impressed with him either. Yeah, I mean, like we said coming into this week, uh, if you can't do it against the Raiders at home, it's going to be hard for us to trust you in any other matchup moving forward, especially with another mouth to feed and Jerry Judy most likely coming back next week. So, uh, yeah, definitely uh, arrow down on the Broncos pass catchers. Uh, Russell Wilson not even really in the streaming tier moving forward. That good schedule does not really matter if you can't take advantage of a matchup like this at home. The only guy I'm interested in is Latavius Murray uh, with Melvin Gordon getting waved and Chase Edmonds getting hurt. All of a sudden, the backfield got extremely condensed. And, you know, he's going to be a guy that's going to get 15 to 20 touches, even though it's a bad offense and even though it's a bad situation and he's not a great running back. That alone will make you a back-end RB2 in fantasy. Yep, absolutely. I mean, basically the Deontay Foreman argument, you know, if you're going to get 20 opportunities a game, then you're going to be fantasy relevant. So that's why I think Murray's, you know, (laughs) I guess the guy you want on this offense at this point. So who would have thought you'd say that coming into the season? Uh, It's not good. It's, It's not good at all. No, but you'll get a new coach, you know, maybe Sean Payton, and then it'll be on. Hopefully. That, that would be interesting. Yeah, now yeah. get Tim Patrick back. He's the he's the sauce that's going to stir this drink, trust me. Yeah. Oh, yeah, for sure. All right, <laughs> Kansas City at the Los Angeles Chargers. KC ends up scraping this one out 30-27. to 27. Ended up uh, cashing that, um, uh, what was it, a teaser parlay I put together for the Best Bets podcast because the Chiefs survived this one. So thank you, Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes. Mahomes continued his MVP uh, season here, 20 for 34, 329 yards, three touchdowns, four rushes for 23 yards. Uh, Definitely a guy you want to have going forward for fantasy football. I don't think there's really much argument there. For um, the running backs here, Pacheco, you know, is he really the guy? More of that's a question directly towards Nick. CDH was getting work until his injury. He may be out a few weeks for the high ankle sprain, which would give Pacheco a bump up, but... I don't think I'm going to have a lot of confidence if CEH is healthy and active for any game because off a game where he got less than five opportunities, he was right back in getting you know two in their first you know first drive or first two drives. So, um, do you have confidence in Pacheco? Is he a guy you're looking to trade for before the trade deadline, or you know where where do you sit at with them? I it, the only problem I have is just what we talked about coming into this week, and that's the fact that this Kansas City offense just completely runs through their quarterback. Uh, Pacheco does not catch the ball out of the backfield either. That is the other complication. Yeah, zero here. catches. So you know, again, two weeks in a row, zero catches. Uh, and these have both been games where you know he's played a lot, and they've been relatively high scoring. Not so much last week, but definitely this week. So it just seems like that's not really a part of their offense. And, uh, yeah, so non-PPR, I'd call him, you know, a back-end RB2 moving forward, which is certainly a valuable asset. But in any sort of PPR format, probably more of a flex play just because uh, these yards are pretty empty and the touchdowns are going to be, you know, mostly going Mahomes' way uh, I would say the rest of the year. More of a lower-end flex play even in my mind. Um, you know, as the, Chiefs, as the Chiefs homer here, he's just not a guy that I really want to have to trust going into those fantasy playoffs like I had mentioned a couple times. So, yeah, especially uh, just, in PBR formats. Yeah, for sure. 
Um, Kelsey and Bust, basically, for the pass-catching options. Obviously, Kelsey had all three touchdowns, 6 for 10 for 115 yards. Uh, Tony with an absolute goose, and MVS went 1 for 18. Um, I think we recommended both those guys, so sorry about you. Um, don't trust Chiefs wide receivers like we've been saying all season. <laughs> hope, you've been, hope you've been paying attention for the entire you know season's worth of the podcast, but... Um, I guess this just gives you the perfect example that even when there are less options to go around, it's going to be hard to trust. I mean, they were looking at Sky Moore's way this week. They were looking at, you know, multiple tight ends. So I think it's just really Kelsey, the only guy that I really want to have to trust out of this um, out of this offense in general and especially the pass catchers. Yeah, like you said, uh, it's just it's Kelsey and it's a lot of everyone else. Uh, I On Travis Kelsey – we did a redraft today, Cody. Uh, where is he going? Do you think is he? I think he's yeah. is he in contention at one hundred and one. I, I think he legitimately could be. I, I wouldn't argue with you if you took him there right now, just because of how bad the rest of the tight ends have been too. It's 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 wild how big of an advantage he is. Yeah, if you're in a shallow league or just a small team league where each position has so has so much additional value, I mean, he's definitely an early first round pick without a doubt. I mean, if you took him first overall, I would not blame you. I mean. He's been more valuable than any one running back has been this season. I mean, I can't – even the, all the top running backs have had dud weeks uh, here or there. So, And he, I think he has had one dud week, but compared to the other position, you know, the other tight ends, you're, you would take one dud week <laughs> any given season. So he is, uh, he is phenomenal, and I don't know. He, I don't know how he's able to score from just anywhere on the field. He moves so fast, but he's so big, and it's – it's great to watch from a fan perspective. Yeah, I think him and Tyree Kill are probably the two in consideration, which is pretty funny to think about. Uh, the two former teammates both thriving uh, without each other on different squads now. For sure. On the Chargers side, uh, Herbert is solid but not dominant in a pretty solid matchup here. 23 for 30, 280 yards, two touchdowns, one interceptions. Um one interception and then Eckler and Palmer dominate Keenan gets worked back in and Mike Williams leaves with an ankle injury. So Eckler, 19 rushing attempts, 83 yards, a touchdown two for two through the air for 17 Palmer got in the end zone twice, eight for 10 for 106 yards. Keenan Allen, five for eight, 94 yards, zero touchdowns. Like Nick said at the beginning of the pod, looks like Mike Williams will probably miss a week and then hopefully come back completely healthy. So I think going into next week, Palmer is a guy that you feel good playing, and then you want Keenan Allen and Austin Eckler. Does that sound about right? That sounds about right. Uh, yeah, I think Herbert will continue to get better as his guys get healthier, and uh, same with Allen and Williams on an individual level. As they get healthier, they will be better. Hopefully Williams' injury is not uh, you know, a complete re-aggravation of that high ankle sprain. For sure. Absolutely. Yeah, I don't think any of these guys, really none of their uh, value changes too much. Uh, Keenan Allen did get worked back in you know pretty nicely throughout that game so uh yeah, if, good. if you know there's a chance that the person who if they held on to keenan allen this entire time hasn't had the best season so you may be able to go out there and trade for him i think he's definitely someone you could rely on uh for the fantasy playoffs so maybe someone to go check out but for the uh, monday night football game here san francisco at arizona but in mexico city san francisco absolutely dominated this game 38 to 10 uh, let's start on the 49ers side real quick. Jimmy G, probably streamer of the week. Four passing touchdowns, 228 yards through the air. Um, had a really good game. On the rushing rushing attack, Mitchell gets worked in, but CMC dominates the passing downs. Uh, Mitchell had nine rushing opportunities for 59 yards. 
CMC only seven rushing opportunities, but seven for seven through the air for 67 yards, so definitely did not dodge you. Uh, unfortunately, did not get in the end zone at any point, though. And then Kittle IU get two touchdowns apiece through the air, and Debo runs one in. So pretty solid game for um, really almost every option for the 49ers. Debo, seven for nine, 57 yards through the air, and then had three rushing opportunities for 37 yards and a touchdown. Kittle, four for six, 84, two touchdowns. Ayuk, two for four, 20 yards, two touchdowns. So a perfect two for two on those touchdowns there. Uh, obviously can't rely on that, but you know I kind of painted him as a boom bust kind of wide receiver, and he you know if he catches those two outside of the end zone, you're disappointed. But luckily both those were touchdowns, and you're pretty happy if you played Ayuk this week. Yeah, damn, it's uh, it's impressive for San Francisco to have four offensive pieces that you're looking to start, and all four of them pretty much came through for you to varying degrees. Obviously not a boom game from CMC, but you'll take 100 total yards and seven catches. And then, uh, you know, a touchdown and 90 yards for Debo, and then two touchdowns apiece for Kittle and Ayuk. So very impressive showing from this San Francisco offense. Uh, they are really good when they're clicking on all cylinders like this. Yeah, for sure. Absolutely. When Jimmy G is hitting on his passes, their offense looks really, really good. But when he starts missing, it's when they really start to fall apart quickly. So. Yeah, they go, they go as he goes, for sure. Absolutely. And then to wrap it up here on the Cardinals side, uh, James, James Conner gives a serviceable performance, 14 rushing opportunities, 42 yards, and a touchdown, 2 for 5 through the air for 12 yards. So my opinion doesn't change too much on him. Rough game script, uh, rough game overall for this offense. So I still think he's an R, a solid RB2 rest of season. And then D-Hop and Dorch really dominated after Rondell Moore left. So D-Hop, 9 for 12 for 91 yards, no touchdowns. And then Greg Dorch, probably not in anybody's fantasy lineup, went 9 for 10 for 103 yards. So, um, you know, he may be the guy that you are interested in. But, you know, if Marquise Brown comes back next week, are you interested in Dorch at all if Moore sits? Or is he just a really low-end option in your mind? And deeper PPR formats, I'm fine with it. Uh, I think this, this Arizona slot role has just been consistently very valuable. It gets targeted quite a bit. Greg Dorch was good earlier in the year while Moore was out, and Moore has been good since he's come back. So I think uh, it's just it's shown to be consistent. And I think in this game is a perfect example of that. Even when you know Rondé Moore comes in healthy, Dorch comes in, replaces him, and seamlessly has a very good game and gets targeted a ton. So I don't really even Marquise Brown coming coming back does not change my opinion on that too much. I think this this Arizona slot uh, slot role is just going to be pretty solid uh, rest of season. Yeah, for sure. And then the only other name I want to touch on here, uh, Trey McBride, 4 for 4 for 14 yards. Uh, you know, still just on the streaming radar, but good to see him get a little bit of work. We'll see what happens when uh, Kyler most likely comes back next week. But uh, Nick, that pretty much wraps up all of our recap here. Uh, is there anything that we did not touch on or any other things you want to throw out there for uh, for the listeners? No, I don't think so. I think uh, you're just looking at Latavius Murray and Samaj P. Ryan if you need a running back this week, and then uh, potentially Greg Dortch in DVPVR leagues if you need a wide receiver. A uh, little bit thin Marcus on Robinson. the wire this week. So Demarcus Robinson and uh, maybe Darius Slayton if he's still out there. Derek yep. Carr is a streamer if you need a quarterback. Again, two really solid matchups coming up for him. For sure. And then uh, a little bit of a changeup on how we normally release our episodes. So we will get this one out for you guys Tuesday morning. 
Uh, so that way you can get your waiver wire locked in. And then we will be releasing a pod most likely Wednesday evening or early Thursday morning that will basically cover all of the Thursday games, all the Sunday games. Um, and I think there's still a Monday night football game as well as our, um, our I guess we'll probably, we probably won't do a best bets podcast. We'll probably just wait till Saturday and put something on social. That way we can make sure injuries and stuff like that are locked in. But everything else will be all in the one podcast that we release on uh, Wednesday night, Thursday morning. Cody, before we leave here, uh, I just looked at looked at this, and I, I think it's just it's really funny. Broncos Panthers over under. Take a guess as to what that is right now. Broncos at Panthers. Oh, can it be less than thirty six? It is thirty six on the dot. Wow, good, good, good call, man. That was wow. that was impressive. Okay, very well. Very I'm good. I was going to, like, first thing that came to my mind was 35, but I remember, I remember when we were talking the other day, 36 was like, a, I remember the, one of their games hit 36 and a half, and that, like, absolutely, you know, threw yeah, you for exactly. a loop. So, yeah. that's why I was like, 36 it was probably a good worse. line to start with. So It can get but, worse, yep. Yep. Well, dang. <laughs> That'll be a fun one to watch for you, man. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure it will be. All right. Peace out, everybody. See you guys.